You know, when we think about the biblical feasts, we think about the Feast of Passover, where Yeshua was dying for us, giving his life as a sacrifice for us. At unleavened bread, he's put in the grave and he's resurrected on first fruits. And then we have 50 days, a countdown to Shavuot. But most central to all of these events is where Yeshua, where Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Because, of course, Paul writes to us 1 Corinthians 15 and he says, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. Nothing that you believe makes any sense if Christ has not raised from the dead, because it means that he is king if indeed he has raised from the dead. And it means that we actually have assurance of salvation, that he can save us if he could be raised. And so I want to submit to you, this brings us to really the purpose of Shavuot. See, as Yeshua was raised from the dead, what happens thereafter is the 50 day countdown to Shavuot, where the Holy Spirit is poured out upon God's people. And suddenly Shavuot becomes the modern witness of the resurrection, not just an ancient witness of the resurrection, not just a, a, an event that happened 2000 years ago where Peter said, guys, the Holy Spirit was just poured out. You're speaking in tongues. Something supernatural is taking place. And the reason this is taking place is because Yeshua indeed raised from the dead, the one whom you crucified. It's not just that ancient kind of witness as Peter stood and said that, but it's a witness today, a modern witness. Because let me ask you, have you been a witness of the resurrection? I mean, have you seen Christ resurrect from the dead? How, how do we know what evidence is there that what we're talking about here tonight even has any true value, that he in, indeed has truly been raised? I want to submit to you that we have witnessed his resurrection in witnessing the power of his resurrection working inside of us and inside other believers that that reality of how I can see that I have been spiritually resurrected from the dead, that I was once dead, that I was once uh, like bones, but that he has come to bring my bones together, to put flesh upon me and put life in me by his resurrection. He has resurrected me spiritually. And so I want to submit to you, brothers and sisters, that this is what the Holy Spirit, the one who has been sent when Yeshua said I, he can be coming to you when I go. That is why I leave so he can come. He comes to change us to empower us, to set us free from sin and to empower us even supernaturally to walk like he did, not just in being free from sin, but walking in the power of his freedom to set others free. I want to take you to Acts chapter four, verse 13 here tonight, where we read this. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, 
and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. I want to ask you something. You know, what's amazing about this is that these men, right? These disciples standing before this, this judgment, right? Before the Sanhedrin, these leaders of the day, these religious leaders, right? And, and they're standing there and the leaders look at them and see, well, these are uneducated men. They're common men. They, they have nothing special about them. They are not like us. They are not even worthy to be in this place, perhaps. But they see something. It says they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Wow. What does it take to be recognized that you have been with Jesus? When someone looks at you, at your life, at how you carry yourself, at how you speak. And I'm not talking just about how you are when you go to church, when you put on a face. I'm not talking about when things go well. I'm talking about when you're pressed. I'm talking about when you're in private. I'm talking about when things go wrong. When you, because these people, these disciples, these apostles are standing and they're being persecuted. And in this manner, they manifest fruit. That when others look at them, they say, these men have been with Yeshua, for they look like Yeshua. See, brothers and sisters, I want to submit to you that when your opponents look upon you, they need to be speechless because they recognize Yeshua upon you. Not that they think I look at you and say, oh, look, it must just be because he's popular. Or it must be because he's he's very spiritual. No. He was with Yeshua. But what does it mean to be recognized that you've been with him? See, the apostles, one thing they did is a man was healed by a spiritual gift of healing. And so it says that the Pharisees had nothing to say in opposition, because what can you say against a clear move of the Holy Spirit? So not only do we see that you start doing the things that Jesus, that Yeshua did, but you start speaking and acting the way he did with good fruit. And the way that they could do that is they were able to hear and follow his voice because they were hearing the and following the Holy Spirit's leading. How? Because they were in the presence of Yeshua was when he was in the flesh and the Holy Spirit sounds like his voice. They are one in the same. And then you have to ask, well, what's the cost? Because, see, there was a cost to be with Yeshua for the disciples. They needed to give up their life to follow him. They need to leave everything behind. But today I fear that we're not willing to give everything up. I fear that we want to give a little up, but yet have all of him. But it doesn't happen. It doesn't work that way. And see, I want to submit to you that when there's something that we struggle to give up, what we're really saying is we adore the presence of that thing more than the presence of our king. If we don't want to give up our pride, we adore the presence of pride in our life more than the presence of our king. If we don't want to give up the bitterness that we have towards a brother, we love the bitterness more than our king. If we don't want to give up the presence of self-sufficiency and reliance on ourselves alone, what we're giving up is 
the presence of our King. Whatever we do, these things, they build walls, walls of partition between us and other people and us and God himself. For God said in Matthew 5, verse 23, that if you want to make an offering, if you want to make a sacrifice, if you want to basically follow me, if you want to celebrate this feast of Shavuot and bring an acceptable offering to me, but you recognize that you have something at odd with your brother, that your brother has something at odd with you. Go and make things right first and then you come and bring your offering. But don't you bring your offering. Don't you dare come into my presence and act like everything's okay when you know it's not. See, when nothing, when something is wrong between us and men, something is wrong between us and God. That's why he said in Matthew 6, 15, that if you do not forgive others of their trespasses, your father in heaven will not forgive you of yours. Do you believe that for what it says? Because the implications are dire. If you do not if you do not forgive the brother who has hurt you and sinned against you, your father will not forgive you. What does that mean for us when we stand face to face before him, but we never dealt with the unforgiveness in our hearts? What does it really mean for us? See, brothers and sisters, Shavuot is a feast about breaking down these walls of partition. That's why the Samaritan woman, when Yeshua was speaking to her, she was astonished because she said to him in, in John 4, verse 9, you know, I am a Samaritan woman and you a Jew. Why do you ask a drink from me? See, brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of freedom who breaks down barriers. And even if though the Samaritans and the Jews had great barriers, the Samaritans at the time of the birth of Yeshua has profaned the temple in Jerusalem, scattering bones in the sanctuary. They they did not even agree with the Jews on where the temple is. They had their own copy of the Torah. Theologically, they have many disagreements. They added to the Ten Commandments and their unique copy of the Torah. There's a lot of disagreement here. There's a lot to fight about. There's a lot to be bitter about. There's a lot of hurts of the past. But Yeshua does not allow any of the unforgiveness, any of the profanity that the Samaritans have done against his father's law or temple. Yeshua did not, even as being who he is, the God of that temple, he did not himself allow himself to be offended, but instead he came with love, compassion and dialogue, offering this woman living water, the salvation itself. What greater love is there than that? Later laying his life down to die for her and all of Samaria, as he did for you and me. That forgiveness, that love for our enemies must be with us as it was with Yeshua. If we want to call ourselves his disciples, we cannot let theological differences, hurts of the past or even cultural differences, whether that's skin color, history or may I dare say in America, politics cause us to not love someone else, have compassion on someone else and reach out to share the gospel of salvation with someone else. 
See, brothers and sisters, if we want to talk about Shavuot, if we want to talk about, Lord, bring your mighty winds of change. God, God, bring your mighty spirit to pour out gifts and do miracles among us. Oh, Lord, come and change us. If you want the Acts chapter 2, verse 2, you better have Acts chapter 2, verse 1. If you want to have the mighty winds of the Holy Spirit of Acts chapter 2, verse 2, you need to have verse 1 where it's said, and when the day of Pentecost has fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. And that word for one accord is one mind. They were one minded. They were in unity. They were not full of unforgiveness and bitterness and hatred and infighting with one another. They were in unity. It doesn't mean they were in in agreement over every did and dot of theology, but they were in unity. And then it says in verse two, suddenly there came a mighty rushing wind and they spoke in tongues. See, brothers and sisters, we want to say, God, God, come and do it. God is not doing anything until we do something. And that's to cleanse our hearts from all wickedness that we have where we have brought to us through not releasing others, through holding hatred towards others, whether it's theological or personal or or the fact that someone has sinned against you, whatever it is. Brothers and sisters, there is so much at stake here. The very witness of the resurrection that we ought to be, the fact that our lives are supposed to be a modern day witness is what is at stake. See, when people see you, what do they see? Do they see you like some archaeological dig site full of dead bones or they do they see when they see your life, that the bones have come together and flesh has been put over and that the spirit of God has come and made home in that temple and that there is true life that has been placed in you because that is what it truly means to be filled by the spirit. See, to be filled by the spirit is not what theology you hold. To be filled by the spirit is not about what, what how smart you are. To be filled is not about winning every debate or having all the knowledge in the world. To be filled by the spirit is to walk in the spirit as he walked and to have fruits of the spirit. And if you do not have that, then you ha- are not a witness of the resurrection. And when others see you, they will shake their fist at God instead of admire the witness of the resurrection that you are coming to him in joy of receiving salvation themselves. May you be alive in Yeshua. Father, I pray, Lord, tonight that you would come of your spirit and convict us like a sword. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would come and Lord, just break open every bit of unforgiveness, hatred and undealt with business that we have between each other and between whether it's believers or unbelievers, family members or friends. Father, I pray that you would come and give us strength and empowerment. Lord, by if we want to proclaim you, Lord, we cannot say we cannot say that it is impossible 
possible for you to bring reconciliation and freedom in our relationships. If you are the creator of heaven and earth, if you are the one we serve here tonight, Lord, we have to believe that you are the one who can mend things again. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would come and do a work of forgiveness and restitution in us all to break down, break down every dividing wall of partition culturally, spiritually, theologically and physically. Father, we praise you and we thank you for your gift of the spirit. Come, Lord, and work among us. Give us your spiritual gifts. Give us your freedom. We pray all this in the name of Yeshua. Amen.